In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We read from the Gospel of Mark. Jesus withdrew toward the sea with his disciples. A large number of people followed from Galilee and from Judea. Hearing what he was doing, a large number of people came to him also from Jerusalem, from Idumea, from beyond the Jordan, and from the neighborhood of Tyre and Sidon. It's interesting, the contrast Jesus withdrawing, perhaps, Lord Jesus, you're seeking a certain Solitude to form those who are closest to you, to form those closer disciples, among whom are the apostles, of course. And the approach of the crowds. That wherever Jesus goes, they follow. They want to be close to him. And the Holy Spirit inspires Mark to describe this crowd twice with that, with that descriptor, a large number, large number of people followed her from Galilee, hearing what he was doing. And a large number of people came to him also from Jerusalem, etc. And this will happen in our interior life in our prayer life at times that it seems like Lord that you withdraw from us that your favor is taken away or your presence is a little bit more hidden and we want to imitate this crowd we want to keep looking for our Lord and these crowds are not just big but they're desperate He told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd so that they would not crush him. He had cured many, and as a result, those who had diseases were pressing upon him to touch him. And so we see here, Lord, that this crowd is not just big, but it's desperate, and the combination of its size and its intensity makes it dangerous. And so our Lord has to have that precaution, an escape boat ready, lest he be crushed by the crowd. And in addition to just the basic idea of having to look for Christ at times, That's the way that he blesses us with his presence by making us feel his absence, making us feel more keenly our need for him, to go look for him. We also can imitate this desperation or 
I don't know if we imitate it, but we can experience it at times. And in their need for you, Lord, you become the center of their consciousness, the center of their desires, the object of their desire. All their being is focused on getting close to our Lord, getting close to Jesus. They all want him in one way or another. They all need his help. They're all desperate. Desperate for healing, physical healing, many of them. Desperate for meaning, for some hope. Perhaps some of them were despondent because of some personal tragedy or circumstance in their family or their friendships. They all need something from him. And in that need, Lord, you become, you become central. You become the only thing they're after. And they come from, they come from all over, from far off. And they fight each other, and the crowd surges and swells. And, and it's this risky, scary type of scene. People are taking risks. There's urgency to it. And our Lord feels this, and he gets the boat ready, but it doesn't say he used the boat, right? He just keeps touching people, keeps letting himself be approached, keeps helping people. And Lord, in this world of ours, nothing has changed, right? As What do they say? The more things change, the more they stay the same. That we're just as desperate as this crowd. We're just as needy, anxiety-ridden, lost. And help us, Lord, help us personally and help the world as a whole to go to you, the Savior of the world, our Lord Jesus Christ. We need your help. We want to see you. We want to touch you. We want to hear you. Help us to make you the center of our attention, the sole object of our desire. Let me, Lord, press in upon you in my prayer to reach out to touch you. And our Lord then had, had that means of escape ready because he was in his human nature like us and so he was subject to the natural laws of gravity and force, etc., health. He had that boat prepared in case of emergency and now in a certain sense our Lord has given up that option On the contrary, in the Blessed Sacrament, he makes himself totally inert, totally passive, totally immobile. He's not going anywhere, and he can't go anywhere. And St. Josemaria, our father, would call him the prisoner of the tabernacle. And so approachable, so still, so stationary in any church. So that we can approach you, Lord, and gaze upon you and come close to you in our prayer and receive you in communion. 
and look upon you without growing tired. It's almost awkward if you stare at someone too long in real life. This is real life too. But if if you stare at a non sacramentalized person too long, it's like, well, you know, stop looking at me, right? What's wrong with you? And our Lord just lets himself be gazed upon, be stared at in the host. And if you get too close to someone or, you know, I don't know, bump into them in an awkward way. Well, it's awkward, right? Get away from me. And our Lord lets himself be touched and then food. Love, love overcomes that natural discretion or distance. Love of our Lord for us, our love for him. Lord, at times I know that I need you as much as these people needed you. Because of what I'm going through or because of just some realization of my weakness or some mistake or whatever. But the fact is, Lord, that I'm always desperate. I I always need you that much. You should always be the center of my attention. Because you are my Savior and the Savior of the world. And as you put it, Lord, without you, I can do nothing. And to have you is to have everything, is to have God and a great human friend and all the grace that we need and all the encouragement that we need and all the healing that we need. Jesus is at the summit of human aspirations from a discourse of St. Pope Paul VI. Jesus is at the summit of human aspirations, the end of our hopes and of our prayers, the focal point of the desires of history and civilization. He is the Messiah, the center of humanity. He who gives value to every human action, who is the joy and the plenitude of the desires of all hearts. He is the true man, the type of perfection, beauty, holiness, whom God has set up to embody the true model, the true concept of man. He is the brother of all, the irreplaceable friend, the only one worthy of confidence and love. He is the Christ man. And at the same time, Jesus is at the source of all our true happiness. He is the light. He is the light by which the space of the world takes on proportions, form, beauty, and shadow. He is the word that defines everything, explains everything, classifies everything, redeems everything. He is the principle of our spiritual and moral life. He tells us what we must do, and he gives us the strength, the grace to do it. His image, indeed, his presence reverberates in every soul that makes itself a mirror to receive the ray of his truth and life who believes in him and welcomes his sacramental contact 
He is Christ God, the Master, the Savior, the life. Well, Lord, I want you to be all of that for me. Break down the illusion of my autonomy, of my independence. The brother of all, the irreplaceable friend. Lord, are you truly irreplaceable for me? Do I count on you for everything? Sometimes people in close relationships with others, they say that, right? They say, oh, I'd be lost without so-and-so. Right? An executive might say that of his administrative assistant. I'd be lost without Marsha or whatever, you know? I don't know what I would do without her. Certainly, husbands, especially if, they, if they're older, many of them express that, right? I'd, I'd be lost without my wife. And sometimes it's true. There's a kind of existential, a real deep emotional, even physical dependence that, you know, a healthy guy, more or less, is older but healthy, and then his wife dies, and then, it's like just a couple months later, he's gone. He just literally couldn't live without her, that the support and the emotional support and the will to live and everything was tied up with his wife or vice versa. Sometimes women die very quickly after their husbands, older couples. In Boston, there's an endless debate about what would Bill Belichick be without Tom Brady and what would Tom Brady be without Bill Belichick? It's kind of like the chicken and the egg, you know, it's, kind of, it's hard to figure out. That's a good question for us. In our prayer, Lord, in your presence, where would I be without Christ? What would I be without Christ? What would the world be without Christ? Without, Lord, your friendship, without your presence, without your pardon, without your help, without your teaching. What would my life be like without you? Are you indispensable? Well, you are, Lord, but do I know that? Do I, am I okay with it? Do I revel in it? I glory in my infirmities, says St. Paul. Among other reasons, I think, because that's when he knows how precious Christ is, how much Christ means to him, how much Christ loves him. And Lord, your importance in my life is something that Christ himself knows and proclaims. And it's not a lack of humility. He knows who he is. He knows how important he is. He knows what he's about. He knows he's God and our Savior. A couple years ago in the boys' school, there was this eighth grader, very bright kid. And uh, for one of his classes, he did an independent study 
And he had to write a paper on humility. And the religion teacher thought it was good. It was pretty good. (laughs) And he said, Father John, you should read this. You know, you can learn something. (laughs) No, he didn't say that. (laughs) He said, you should read this. It's pretty good. You know, check this out. And so I said, okay. And so I, I was reading it. It was, it was pretty good, actually, for an eighth grader. And then I got to this line, and I kind of smiled. Jesus never bragged, never said he was the Son of God while he was serving. Well, that's, that's wrong. It's good for his humility to know that he makes mistakes. Jesus certainly, I mean, he did it in a cagey way at times. He did it in a subtle way for a variety of reasons. But Jesus certainly revealed himself as the, as the incarnate Son of God. Okay, he didn't, wasn't bragging about it, properly speaking, but, but he knew who he was, and he knew how much he needed to be loved by us, how much we need to love him. And he made it known, both for him, for his glory, because he desires our love, and for us, for our salvation, we need to know how dependent, how needy, how weak we are, and how much we depend on him. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And yet, Lord, through you and with you and in you, I can do quite a lot or I can be a saint. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Our Father, pull self-love out by the roots and plant in its place love for Jesus Christ. That is the secret of effectiveness and happiness. Pull self-love out by the roots and plant in its place love for Jesus Christ. That is the secret of effectiveness and happiness. But Lord, so much of myself is caught up with my self-love, and so you're going to have to help me do this. If I pull self-love out by the roots, it's almost like I'm turning myself inside out. Like a sock. That was an incredible image that Don Javier used when I was in Rome and he would come and talk to us. I remember he would say, um, pray for me. And at times he would say, specifically he would say, pray for my conversion. Pray for my conversion. And here was a guy who was in his early 80s And for all 
external appearances and for all intents and purposes, seemed very holy. Had lived with not one but two saints, Saint Jose Maria and Blessed Alvaro. And, uh, you know, getting very much to the end of his life. And then he would say, pray for my conversion. And he would add, in a kind of graphic image, pray that I turn my life inside out like a sock. Made a radical change, everything. Flipped around. Different. This is what it would be, Lord, to pull self-love out by the roots and plant in its place love for you. It'd be a radical change, and I'd be much more happy, much more effective, and much more peaceful and confident. Self-love, self-reliance, my own judgment. You name it, right? We have to depend on Jesus for everything. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then how much more, Lord, would I love you? And how much easier would life be if I finally admit that, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty big loser <laughs> and, and I need him. Jesus, Jesus, esto semper mihi Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, always be Jesus for me. And the only way he could stop being Jesus for us is if we pretend like we don't need him or pretend like we got this on our own. Jesus, Jesus, always be Jesus for me. In the first place, Lord, be Jesus for us in the Blessed Sacrament where you are the prisoner of love. This is our most direct access to you. Help us to love you here, Lord, in the chapel where we find you most readily in the tabernacle. Jesu, Jesu, esto semper mihi Jesu. Be Jesus for us, Lord. In Scripture, the bread and the word, help me to find you, Lord, in my daily reading of the New Testament and my mental prayer when I bring the gospel to my meditation. Jesus, Jesus, esto semper mihi Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, always be Jesus for me. Be Jesus for me, Lord, in my habitual presence of God. Help me not to forget that you're always there. That you make your abode with the Father in my heart when I'm struggling to do your will. Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus, Jesus, Esther, Sempi, Mihi, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, always be Jesus for me. Be Jesus for me, Lord, and others. Remind me that you're hidden in the others. 
or you've done for the least of these, my brethren, you've done for me. And I also think that, you know, we tend to think of the presence of Jesus as kind of hidden in others. Because it's like, oh, yeah, well, they got defects and I don't like them that much. And so he must be hidden there somewhere, right? Get a microscope and see if we could find Jesus in this mess of a person, you know. <laughs> but all that's good is a reflection of God. And, and all that's created is created through the Word. And Jesus is the Word incarnate. And so if we have a positive view of others, appreciate their good qualities. And everyone has good qualities. Otherwise, they wouldn't exist. Well, then we realize that, no, it's not just, okay, the real Jesus is hidden somewhere in there and, you know, holding this person together. (laughs) But he's also everywhere. He's everywhere they are especially in their goodness. And that's a beautiful part of this wonderful discourse of Paul VI. He is the light by which the space of the world takes on proportions, form, beauty, and shadow. He is the word that defines everything, explains everything, classifies everything, redeems everything. He is the principle of our spiritual and moral life. His image, indeed, his presence reverberates in every soul. We're made in the image and likeness of God, and that means in the image and likeness of the Word who becomes incarnate in Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus, always be Jesus for me. And We do this with the intercession of Our Lady. We see Jesus in Our Lady. It's a beautiful passage I found in Father Faber. I think it's from his book on... uh, Our Lady at the Foot of the Cross. The beauty of Jesus is inexhaustible. Like the vision of God in heaven, it is ever diversified, yet always the same, always cherished as an old and familiar joy, yet ever surprising and refreshing the spirit as being in truth perpetually new. He is beautiful always, beautiful everywhere in the disfigurement of the passion as well as in the splendor of the resurrection, amid the horrors of the scourging, as well as amid the indescribable attractions of Bethlehem. But above all things, our blessed Lord is beautiful in his mother. If we love him, we must love her. We must know her in order to know him. As there is no true devotion to his sacred humanity, which is not mindful of his divinity, so there is no adequate love of the Son, which disjoints him from his mother. Jesus, Jesus, always be Jesus for us and always be Jesus for us in the arms of your blessed mother.
I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.